Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Fake the Nation, episode 228. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we wonder, should I have just straight up pizza for Thanksgiving? Because <laughs> I'm not going to like be in a formal situation. Or should me and the man and the baby and the dog go all out and have like a big full meal? I don't know. It's We're still we're still figuring it out. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, um, your uh, favorite podcast host that has a man and a baby and uh, <laughs> and high arches. Um, I am so excited to be with you folks today on in, uh, in this Thanksgiving week, which is the stranger of the Thanksgiving weeks that we're probably ever going to have. Um, but you know what? We're poised to make the best of it. So let's get into it with topic number one. It's Thanksgiving. Um, so we are recording this at some weeks before Thanksgiving, uh, and I am joined by uh, by podcast host and um, all around fantastic guy Jody Avergan. Hey, Jody. Hello there. And by comedian and all around fantastic guy Judah Friedlander. Hey, Judah. Hello. We're just we're going to talk about Thanksgiving. What are your plans? What does this holiday mean to you? Just, I mean, I know it's a weird one, right? Because it's a pandemic Thanksgiving, um, which might make it more interesting and special. Who knows? You know, there's different ways of looking at it. Um, what do you, what do you guys 
have planned? Are you seeing people? Is it a is it a quarantine bubble? What's the story? The first time I thought about my Thanksgiving plans for this year was when you emailed me saying we're planning to talk about <laughs> our Thanksgiving plans on the podcast this week. I mean, you know, I've I think just somewhere in my head I flipped a switch and just said 2020 is a wash and, you know, right. family <laughs> gatherings of this kind are just not on the docket. But I mean, and I think that that's right the right move. And I've had lots of hard conversations with my parents and my family already about not not spending tons of time with them. And I think that this will just be, unfortunately, another one in that in that line. Oh, it's sad. Yeah, it but sucks. Yeah. It but sucks. It, could also, it's, <laughs> it totally sucks. sucks. It, it totally sucks. sucks. Um, Judah, what are your plans? Well, you know, I always like to read up on the holidays, and there's pretty much every holiday we have, there's some horrible, you yeah. know, past to it and why we have it and stuff. So right, I right. always think about those things. And uh, Thanksgiving, as no matter how bad things can get, in the country, in the world, I, I do try to view it as a day to to be thankful for for the, the things you have, uh, the environment we still have left. Uh, be thankful. Um, so being thankful uh, <laughs> is a big one. Um, and being thankful, uh, you know, I, I, I still love both my parents. I'm very grateful for that. Um, so... Uh, I've I've actually been living with my parents for 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 quite a while, so I'll be with my parents. And um, but you know, I'm someone who tends to be paranoid anyway, so I uh, I worry uh, probably too much. But uh, but yeah, just grateful for um, where we're at. Uh, a lot of great food. It's a big food. I mean, I'm a big food person as it is, but. Um, so there's always some of the traditional, uh, you know, American kind of stuff. Um, my mom's uh, Croatian American, so there's also always a lot of uh, Croatian uh, dishes as well. Wait, can you can you tell me like what is a famous Croatian dish? Sure. Um, well, for Thanksgiving, it's it's mostly the sarma, which is uh, stuffed cabbage, um, and it's uh, yeah. we prepared in a uh, not a not a sweet uh, kind of a way that you might get at some delis in New York, but a, a savory sauce, uh, a tomatoey uh, savory soft sauce. Sometimes, sometimes not. Um, other dishes that would be uh, Croatian um, are not really. We don't really have them at Thanksgiving, but their Croatian dishes is is uh, is a chivapčići or pleskovica. Um, Kaimak. Oh, right. Uh, Chivapchichi or Pleskovica. Yeah, it's, it's, it's lamb. It's, it's like minced, uh, <laughs> lamb, uh, phenomenal with Ivar sauce, um, and, uh, raw onions and, uh, a great bread. It's sort of like a fat pita bread. Um, and, uh, just, it, it's, you know, it's really heavy food, but it's, an, it's incredible food. Um, and, uh, yeah, those are those are the big ones, and of course kibasi. Um, the Polish say kibasa, but the the, yeah. the Croatians say kibasi. Um, so, and you know, there's so many different types of kibasi also. So, but th- th- those are the big ones. You know, vegan I vegan food Poland. basically is what I'm saying. Vegan. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the keto anyway, diet, I, I think. Yeah. yeah. 
I traveled through Romania with my best my BFF who's Romanian and um, an immigrant. And they're at uh, Sarmale. We, they say Sarmale. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I was they serve say, it with polenta. They serve it with polenta. Um, the, right. the Croatians will do potatoes more often, but they'll have it with uh, polenta. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had like the adjacent foods of all of the foods that you're yeah. talking about yeah. because of my BFF, who also then has a ki- um, a restaurant in Los Angeles, yeah. uh, Lemon Poppy Kitchen, oh, cool. and Parsnip um, in LA that people should go to where they can have some of these like, these foods that you mentioned. But she does like a nice modern like take on them. Oh, or whatever. Okay. But um, we I remember traveling with her in Poland. I think it made me even mention. The other, the one other time someone said kielbasa on this show (laughs) prompted me to remember this stupid memory of being in Poland and we were buying kielbasa and this dude was just being gross about it. And he was like, hey, hey, you can have one of my kielbasa, like he said in Poland, Polish about his dick. So, um, (laughs) classy, classy, (laughs) super classy. Hey, catcalling, it exists in other countries. Oh, they're, they're, Um, they're very good at it there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, what's interesting for me about Thanksgiving is that like, because I've lived, I grew up in in Southern California, but I've lived um, basically in New York with a little hiatus in Paris. It's not a big deal, but I've lived in Paris. Um, And it's also not a big deal that I've lived in London and literally not a big deal because I didn't like London as much. But um, I, uh, I've lived in Paris and with, with little side moments in Paris and London, I've lived in sort of New York state, like my, most of my adult life. So Going to, and especially when I was like a starving artist, going to California just was too expensive for two holidays back to back. So I would just do the Christmas. Um, and so I've like never really had Thanksgiving be a family affair. Hmm. Like it's kind of always been a Friendsgiving affair. Right. Um, or like me and my man will do, you know, one Thanksgiving, we just ordered pizzas and that was really exciting as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? We've, we've made it exciting in other stupid ways. I mean, I think, you know, I, there so many of the things that we like about life <laughs> that have been robbed by this fucking virus and the, our awful response to it are, are going to be displayed around Thanksgiving and, you know, the chance to yeah, be with family. Yeah. Um, that, And then also, you know, to your point, like Friendsgiving is wonderful, but we can't get together with friends either. Right. And also like Thanksgiving, the night before Thanksgiving is my favorite night of the entire year in New York City. Um, it, the city is quiet. The people from here are back in town. A lot of people are like getting together with old friends. Um, a lot of people who are not from here have left. It's just always been my favorite night of the year. And as I'm talking right now, I'm realizing I'm not going to be able to enjoy what I really love to do on Thanksgiving Eve, which is just walk around this city and sort of bask in it and wander into bars and sort of be around strangers, that's gone too. And I mean, I just think like this, I don't know, I know I'm being a bummer here, but I think the fall is going to continue to show us how how crappy this is. (laughs) But I also think like, yes, this virus is a fucking dick and has has taken away this holiday. But I also think like we can see it as an opportunity of like doing the type of Thanksgiving yes. that you don't normally ever do, right? Like what does that Thanksgiving look like? And does it, you know, yeah. um, and like you can still go on a walk in New York City and see strangers. You're just going to have to do it with a mask on. Yeah. It's not, yeah. you know, it's that's not being totally wrong. You can find new you. ways to see family. I mean, I agree. Like all the, all the, the flip side of what I said is all the sort of creativity and solidarity and all the other yeah. things that we're seeing emerging will we'll be there as well for sure 
You know, yeah. And it's, I think, um, I, and I guess, yeah, for me, Thanksgiving is never, I've never had one specific thing that I do. So I don't feel as attached to it. I just as always viewed it as like, I don't know, let's see what happens this Thanksgiving. Like I've always sort of viewed it as this fun thing that changes with every, um, with every season. Sometimes I end up at a friend's family's home and sometimes I don't. I mean, one thing I've talked about with some friends is like, you know, do, all doing testing before mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and it, which I think is probably an idea a lot of people have. Um, so we all get our negative tests and then maybe we do like a dinner together or whatever. Um, and so, you know, that might be something that we do that could be super fun. People that I don't, that normally go to their families for Thanksgiving, but they're here um, or, and they're sort of stuck and they, you know, when we'll fit, we'll, we'll come up with like another fun way to, to experience it. You can also hope for global warming and then have mm-hmm. Thanksgiving outside. You know, it's safer outside. <laughs> well, I've, I've been thinking about this that I, 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 I want just for one year some uh, climate change that makes the entire United States stay at like 74 degrees and sunny until there's a vaccine. Just one, just a little <laughs> bit of climate change and then we'll go back to fixing it all. Uh-huh. You know, what's funny is like one of my most memorable Thanksgivings was I had broke, I had a really horrible breakup before Thanksgiving and I couldn't leave because of a work thing that was sort of like the Tuesday before and then the Monday after. You know what I mean? It just was just like too time stressed or something. And um, my mom was, I was so sad. This breakup hit me so badly and so hard. I was so sad. My mom was like, I'll come out and spend Thanksgiving with you. My dad couldn't come. He's a surgeon. He was on call, whatever. So, um, so my mom came and we, the two of us had Thanksgiving and it was a global warming Thanksgiving. It was my mom coming from Southern California was so excited. She brought all of her like heavy sweaters. She brought boots. She brought scarves. It was in the 70s almost the entire time. Like she was so disappointed to have never affixed a single scarf to a neck. <laughs> and um, and we ended up literally eating a meal al fresca Thanksgiving week because it was so hot um, in New York City. But, uh, but yeah, that was like a nice... Um, random and memorable Thanksgiving. Uh, I've also like had Thanksgiving really just like raunchy Thanksgivings in my 20s where I got fucking wasted and made out with a stranger. The best. The best. Uh, the one what so. one consistent Thanksgiving thing in my family is um is my dad uh gets wasted and makes out with a stranger. No, well no. Uh my dad <laughs> that would um, be traumatizing. My dad burns the turkey to a point where the fire department has to show up. Six what? out of the last 13 years, we've had a uh, like sm- house full of smoke uh, and and fire alarms going off. And Are a- you a fireman. serious? Yeah, it's just, he, he likes to tinker. And, Why uh, do you keep letting him do it? Like, that sounds really dangerous. There's no reason for that to, to happen. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Probably should have learned our lesson. But when it's yeah. good, it's really good. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> Has, wait, have any of the the turkeys that have almost been burnt to a crisp still then edible after the fire department shows yeah, up? Yeah, you can do. Yeah. I mean, because he often gets enamored with the idea of like super hot for for like he's like, I can cook this turkey in 20 minutes if it's at like 650 degrees. Uh, and um, that's that's bad. <laughs> but but it just means that the outside is like charred and then you can work your way back and cook it normally. He's he is. I should I should not slander my father this much on the show. He is he is the best cook i know he's fantastic he just 
always goes for it on Thanksgiving, and he's a little dangerous with the turkey specifically. My follow-up question is: How many how many cooks do you know? How many cooks do you know? I know a fair amount of cooks. (laughs) No, but I think yeah, that's a good point. You only know what you know. (laughs) It should be cooked slow. It should be slow and low. I'm a I'm a believer in that as well. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's essential. I mean, otherwise, then you just microwave it, right? Like if you want it to be fast or whatever and chewy, you go ahead and throw it in the microwave. Um, Any final thoughts on Thanksgiving? Be safe. Be sexy. Be safe and be be sexy. sexy. (laughs) Be safe, be sexy, be merry and figure out um, and I hope that you have landed on new and fun ways to do this um, holiday in the middle of a <laughs> really new and not fun pandemic. Uh, find your fun, you guys. Uh, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Oh, you know, since we're pre-taping this, should we do a version where Trump's vaccine has come out uh, in time and we can all go to Thanksgiving together? <laughs> I might have to like re uh, yeah. b- bring you guys together no again and be coming, like, but... uh, Biden is one and there's a vaccine. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving. That's the entire segment (laughs) um all right um let's take a quick break and then when we get back we're gonna talk about boredom today's show is sponsored by rocket money rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions it monitors your spending it helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings i have used rocket money and you guys honestly i had no idea how many things i was subscribing to that i didn't want to be subscribing to i think we all go into we enter into subscriptions with a pollyanna view that we're gonna use as a subscription even though it's a super obscure you know education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. To unsubscribe, you don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the apps features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana. 
where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And let us move on to the next topic. We read a piece in New Yorker called What Does Boredom Do to Us and For Us by Margaret Talbot. First of all, I learned from reading this piece that there is such a thing as boredom studies, which in itself is a sign of our intellectual boredom. The piece starts off by pointing out that Tolstoy defines boredom as a desire for desires. I would love to know how our panel uh, defines boredom, but first, let me introduce them. We have to, chatting with us on this topic today, Tochi Anyabuchi, the author of Riot Baby. Hey, Tochi. Hello, hello, hello. And Sarah Papalardo, the editor and co-founder of Redactress. Hey, Sarah. Hey, hey. So how, like I said, Tolstoy defines it as a desire for desires. How would you define it? Well, I think I agree with one of the experts that was in there, um, that it's a combination for me specifically of um, not feeling meaning in the work that I do or the task that's at hand, or it's either mm-hmm. just too easy or too hard for me to like latch onto it. Usually some combination therein. But most of all, when it feels meaningless, I can do the most tedious shit. Like I love, I'll do accounting for work as long as I know that it's leading to something more meaningful. Right. Um, I feel that, you know, in the, in the, in the slog that is independent film, you know, I've, I've made uh, three independent features. My most recent is actually now available on Peacock, the third street blackout. You can, you can stream that on Peacock. Talk about, um, Disasters set in the blackout after Hurricane Sandy, and and I, you know, when you're when you're making media like that, and I think all three of us can probably relate to this, is that like you're just sort of doing everything. You know, you are the 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 director, you're the you know you you are um, the PA, you're the janitor, you're like just every function on a film set. Um, you know, when you're dealing with uh, with the kind of lower budget film uh, budgets that I've dealt with, and and I do it all because I like really believe in the project, right? So like that kind of the slog ends up being fine um, because I know what I'm trying to do um, and 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 I believe in what I'm trying to do. But but the second that I feel like I'm just doing some kind of just kind of like institutional bureaucratic nonsense, <laughs> the malaise does set in. Toji, how would you define it? Um, I, I'm going to sort of piggyback off of uh, what Sarah pointed out about the the sort of meaninglessness or the feeling of meaninglessness involved in, you know, whatever particular activity has instigated that sense of boredom. I find that, you know, if I if my mind starts to drift, I'm probably bored by the thing that I'm doing. It always seems like it always seems like a feeling or sensation or mindset I'm trying to run away from, trying to get away from a place that I'm not trying to be in. And growing up as the, you know, the progeny of immigrants, the focus is always on getting something done. Yes. You know, just being productive constantly, just, you know, constantly yes. advancing, moving forward, finishing the thing that you're in the middle of or that you've started. And I think boredom for me is a conscious sort of opposition to that. 
And so, like, I think oftentimes I feel, I, I think of boredom as something that sneaks up on me, but sometimes it can be a thing to to chase or even embrace. Like, one of the things that I've been trying to practice more in the midst of the pandemic is, is like, sitting with myself. And not even in a, in a sort of meditative sense, but, like, just, like, doing nothing. And it's so difficult. Oh, it's so hard. It's so, it's, so di- hard. It's, the, it's literally the most difficult thing that I've ever had to quote unquote do in my entire life. (laughs) It's so difficult, but I found that even the sort of fight to move in that direction has, you know, helped me sort of uncover new parts of myself and also like relieve stress in many ways. Like even just getting out of the mindset that like, I need to do this thing immediately or this thing needs to be done immediately so I can send it to this person and then move on to the next thing. Like breaking out of that sense of urgency is something that I feel like boredom has unlocked in me. Um, so it's 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 weird. My relationship with boredom has evolved over the course of the past, I'd say, like, five, six months. Um, It is, you know, it's interesting because, like, as a child, I was sort of taught that there is no such thing as boredom, right? Like, again, immigrant family, da-da-da-da-da. And and the focus was on just deliverables. Exactly. (laughs) You're seven years old. What are your deliverables? (laughs) And... And it was like an obscene work ethic that was bred into me. And um, and as a result, I, I, you know, I similarly like really don't know how to relax. I've actually even had to talk about this in therapy because I also do run myself into the ground, but I run myself into the ground like in search of some sort of, a, you know, approval from parents that the approval I will never yeah. receive. And um <laughs> Relatable, you know, and, 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 and my therapist has even like challenged me to, and and here's the the fact of the matter is because I'm the kind of person that's involved in like 500 projects. Um, I don't actually think I've ever, I don't think I've actually ever experienced boredom. You know, I, I think I I always have something to do. Um, I have experienced restlessness. Mm. Like I have something to do, but I don't want to do it. So like, let's say I'm just not doing that thing today. All of the things that I have, you know, that are useful and valuable and I, you know, that would be, you know, great measure of my deliverables. I'm not doing them today. I'm restless. I don't know. I don't know how to relax. I I feel that. Um, and and I do think that uh, that has to do with the kind of uh, – tiger parenting is that what it's called um that i that i got like as a kid um in in i you know in like even binging shows i have a hard time like i have a hard time doing that um because it feels bad you know mm. I, mean? I just call it homework being a writer i get to just write that off as homework right <laughs> right 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 like you have to trick yourself yep. you know yep. to to do that um heidegger he classified um, the you know the prominent theorist. I I act like I fucking drop Heidegger all the time. I don't. But anyway, this it was in this piece. He classifies boredom into three kinds. So the mundane boredom of like waiting for a train or whatever, and I think that bo- boredom I've classified that to like my comedy brain. I don't know, Sarah, if you do mm. this like. I will now observe everything I can about everyone on this mm. subway and maybe a joke will come from it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I try and get some work out of that, that kind of boredom. Right. 
But it, I mean, it would it would be um, such an interesting exercise to just not try to kind of just like passively do it rather than like turn it into a game. Because yes. I do the same thing, and I, I was gonna say it's cliche, but I feel like weed really helps me to get out of that constant productivity mindset and like allows me to be bored but enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know. Right. <laughs> For what it's worth. Right. No, completely. I and I have I've partaken in marijuanas before. Um so I <laughs> you know, but but uh but I would love to find a way with myself that involves not right having to rely right, on anything. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's a quick yep. So the, the the second um classification that Heidegger has is a profound malaise associated not with modernity or any specific experience, but with the human condition itself. <laughs> so I guess this is one of the big questions in boredom studies is like boredom something that has to do with modernity, like the industry, you know, the the situation. Like, can you picture a medieval farmer? Um, being bored, uh, or, you know, or is this something that's really, um, because we now have comfort in our lives? Where do you guys stand on that? It's just probably a matter of proportion, right? We just have more of it. So we're hyper aware of it. You know, like we didn't really talk about things like malaise or anything like that until about like 17th or 18th century, like in like the, when like Wordsworth or someone would start talking about it. And so we do see like, I uh, love that Wordsworth yeah, reference yeah. right there that you just, just dropped. Uh, drop nice job, buddy. Um, yeah. You couldn't make it on the pod today. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's just like we went from like having X amount of boredom per day to having like a hundred times as much with the industrial economy that I just don't know if we've been able to like adapt well as humans so quickly to it, um, which is probably why we're all on drugs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Or, I mean, it's interesting because I think part of that adaptation has to do with, like, your physical self because I know that, like, if I don't exercise enough, I get anxious and crazy and, like, moody and all of those things. I think because the body was designed to churn some fucking butter. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was designed to do a lot more shit than I naturally have to do in the course of a day just opening my laptop and then closing my laptop. If you ever... If you ever play fetch with a dog and realize just how much more it can play than you and how it would happily (laughs) do it for six hours a day and then you think about how much time it spends in an apartment, it will fuck with your brain. Like, we're all that dog. We are all that dog. We are all that dog. And I've talked about this on the show before, but one of the things that has been my pandemic savior has been dancing um, because I think that I've unleashed the, the, the dog playing fetch in me with like embar- very embarrassing aerobic dancing um member of 305 fitness which is a, a studio in New York and a couple of other cities which is fantastic highly recommend and it's you know you kind of need to get a little bit of that fetch out um of your of your system and and frankly after i do like a 45 minute class i immediately re- recognize that i could probably just do another 45 minutes and i may actually reach some sort of zen state if i did it again i just don't have enough time or whatever the fuck i have a baby all this shit you know so um there is a like a physical component i think that that boredom you know, that you, that can sprout from your body. Uh, Tochi, do you find that to be true? Is there any, any of that that 
rings true for you? Yeah, I think a lot of a lot of boredom for me exists at the intersection of time and leisure. Um, you know, if you look, you know, back, 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 back in history, or at least you know, depictions of of you know wealthy ancient Greeks, right? Like you have the picture of somebody sort of lounging on this like chaise long yeah. and you know being fed grapes or whatever, and like you know. Pe- People start wars because they're bored, you know? Sometimes it's, like, resources, but, like, sometimes it's just something to do, right? Whereas if you're if you're just, like, a regular, regular person, you know, farming whatever the local crop is or, like, selling whatever, you might not, you know, similar to what you were talking about, Nagin, about, you know, constantly being, constantly doing something or feeling as though you have to do something, you might not ever feel bored per se, because you don't necessarily have time to exist in that state of existential malaise, whether it's related to modernity or just general aspects of the human condition. You're like always working. And so it's almost as though boredom is a product of luxury it's it's like a luxury to be able to feel bored you know you have the time to feel bored whereas if every second of your day is taken up by activities that demand something of you whether physically or mentally or even spiritually you may like escape boredom for better or for worse and i think that's part of the draw of living in a big city you know like if as i live in new york city if I ever feel like crazy and restless, I just go for a stroll yeah. and I'm open to a world, an, an entire world of stuff going on. And so I am immediately distracted. Like those, those feeling any of the existential dread, any of the boredom blah, 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 immediately falls away because I'm like, what's happening, <laughs> you know, with that guy who decked out his bike in soda cans, <laughs> you know, or whatever. And like, and it just, it me, you know, it, it, there's, it's, it's, a, it's very nearly impossible to feel bored in New York City. Um, and, and a stroll is is curative for so many things when you live in a place like this. Um, and so I, I also, I think part of the, um, the, the kind of lure of, of cities from, you know, from the, 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 you know, Victorian era is this thing of like not feeling bored, um, you know, it's like Virginia Woolf said, I'd rather die in Richmond than I'd rather live. Sorry, I'd rather die in London than live in Richmond. She was living in a suburb. <laughs> um, and, and so I think there's the, the, there's a little bit of that right for everybody in the in the boredom. Um, Sarah, final thoughts on boredom. Did we miss anything? I mean, boredom, it's, it's like all in how you kind of categorize it. But I think that the key to fighting or maybe embracing boredom is just like you said, when you go for a walk, you're kind of forced to live in the moment and actually like engage sensorily with the things around you. And I think maybe that's what um, our, you know, predecessors working in the field were maybe a little better at than us. Um, Yes. And yeah, I think that that can be good for us, whether we call it boredom or not. Yes, I, I and I thank you for bringing it back to like let's fucking figure out how to do it better. 
Um, all right. And, uh, you know, before we leave you, where do people find you, Tochi? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Trey64. That's T-R-E-I-Z-E-6-4. You can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Tochi True Story. Uh, my website, tochionyabuchi.com, has news, updates, that sort of thing. And if you are to buy my books, which I sincerely hope you do, uh, please purchase them from bookshop.org. It's a wonderful way for you to support indie bookstores and to not, uh, you know, send money to the corporate behemoth that is Amazon.com. Fantastic. Uh, yes, don't shop on Amazon. Sarah, where do people find you? Yes. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at yourpepalardo. And you can also find some of my work at reductress.com. We also have a store where you can buy our book directly from us. Oh my gosh, folks, that is the end of the show. Thank you so much. I hope you're having a wonderful Thanksgiving. And in fact, we have a Thanksgiving treat for you. Our beloved Gabi Alter, who wrote our theme music, has written um, a song called The Online Thanksgiving. Um, it's an update on his original track from a musical called 29 um, that was the, the Friendsgiving. Um, and he has updated it for the pandemic. And it's so delightful and so sweet. And uh, we're going to play it for you. Um, after I thank everyone here that makes Fake the Nation possible, that's our produ- producer, Anita Flores, our talented audio engineer, Andy Christens. Again, Gabi Alter wrote our theme music. You'll hear his music again. And Lily Fleschler helps out with research. Listeners, we love to hear from you, so send us your feedback topics. We should be chatting about guest ideas you might have. Leave us a voicemail, 331-901-0005, or drop us a line at comments at fakethenation.com. If you like what you hear, please favorite Fake the Nation on Stitcher, follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, because it helps people find the show and now i uh, turn your attention to gobby alter's wonderful thanksgiving song i hope you have a wonderful holiday and we'll be back in your earballs next week Thanksgiving will be on my laptop, sitting alone in my living room. I haven't been home for about nine months now. The closest I get to my family is Zoom. My aunt and her boyfriend log in from Wisconsin. My brother says hi from his dorm room at Penn. My sister and her kids are going crazy in Boston Since they stopped in-person schooling again Everybody is someplace else Another city or state We all wish we could be close to each other This year we're just gonna have to wait But ooh, 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 Thanks for the long-distance company Thank you for sharing a screen with me At the online Thanksgiving My cousin and his wife had a baby last summer Everyone smiles and says, isn't she cute? My dad starts telling a long-winded story He doesn't realize he's still on mute We carve our separate turkeys Mine didn't turn out so well 
Nobody talks about the election or the fact that this holiday's racist as hell. But ooh, thank God we're still a democracy. Did everyone else vote absentee at the online Thanksgiving? People are trying to talk at the same time. The whole thing is glitchy and kind of chaotic. The world around us is falling to pieces. But at least our connection's fiber optic. Cause soon we thank God for streaming technology. Thank you for saving our space for me. It's laid out here Can't wait for COVID to disappear